Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kent Wyrock, joined again by Matthew Betts and Matt Okada, my wonderful co-hosts. We are here today talking about some free agent NFL players, where they might land, how we feel about them, and stuff like that. But Matt, Matthew, Betts, Okada, how are we doing today? Doing great, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you for asking. I was a little confused as to who you were referring to first there with the double first. <laughs> yeah, I just name, said all the names. Double last I just name. throw them all out there. Uh, but I'm doing yeah. great. Happy to be back together with you guys again and uh, talk some free agency. Yeah, definitely all of the above. Uh, things are crazier than one would expect around this time of year in football. Uh, I don't know about what you guys yeah. are doing, but being at the NFL Network, it's all the combine news coming in, and then today, obviously, some huge news just popped out of nowhere, which we'll talk about. So it's been interesting. Yeah, it is uh, combine week now. They haven't done anything really crazy yet. They just did measurements for like O line and some quarterbacks and running backs and stuff. So uh, that news will continue to pour in over the rest of the weekend, but. Keep an eye on that for any kind of fun news that might pop up. You know, they do interviews with coaches and things of that nature, too, and we might get a couple of big pieces of news. But I don't know. Combine's fun. Do you guys like watching the Combine at all? I usually do every year. Yeah. Yeah, I like watching the Combine. I like watching specific drills for specific uh, positions, like the gauntlet for receivers and watching like running backs catch the ball and all that kind of stuff. I could care less about the bench press and the vertical and that kind of stuff just because it's not as fun to watch. Um, I also do not care about hand size at all, and it is officially hand size season. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot to talk about with the combine. Most of it, no, maybe not most of it, but there's a lot of stuff that's kind of irrelevant. And I could go on for probably the entire hour talking about the combine, but uh, we got some other stuff to talk about. So let's jump into the news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You know, talking about the Combine, maybe we'll just start off with this piece of news. It, it, it's really not news, it, which is the craziest part. But Kyler Murray, uh, one of the top quarterback prospects in the NFL draft this year, measured in at 5'10 and 1 eighth of an inch and 207 pounds with 9.5 inch hands. That sounds like it's not that good, but people were expecting him to be somewhere between like 5'8 and 5'9 and wasn't sure how tall or heavy heavy he was, and it's a whole controversy, and now it can kind of be put to bed a little bit. Do you guys care about these measurements at all? Um, I don't know how much I care per se in the aspect of like being an NFL GM, but as a fantasy drafter, uh, or dynasty especially drafter, this should mean that teams that were on the fence because how small they thought he might be might no longer be on the fence which means his draft stock might be better than it would have been although it was probably gonna be pretty high anyways and the higher his draft stock is typically the better that is for fantasy so that's a little bit interesting yeah and to speak to these kind of measurements like i just said i don't really care about uh, the static measurements personally, I think it's interesting for Murray that he's not going to participate in any of the drills or throw at the combine. Um, I actually think it's kind of a smart move for him, to be honest with you, where he can go to his pro day, yeah, do everything yep. scripted, make sure everything looks good. You know, in the 40, they 
take a little bit of time off of it and make it look a little better uh, at the pro day. So uh, I actually think it's actually smart for him uh, for his draft stock in the NFL. Yeah, I think it's good too. I think he takes the W from these measurements and kind of walks away with it. Uh, he, you know, I've heard people have been speculating, of course, he's just been packing on water weight and that's why he's so heavy and maybe he doesn't want to run the 40 after, you know, being so waterlogged and stuff like that. And maybe he was wearing six pairs of socks. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he could kind of make the most of his pro day this way and get back into, into like exercise shape. He'll probably play a little bit less than this weight, but I personally have no concerns for him. And I think he's going top five now. I think he's an exciting prospect. Now, while we're on the subject, do either of you guys think that there's there's a chance that the Cardinals trade Rosen and draft Kyler Murray? No, I, I was already shaking my head because I knew exactly what you're going to ask. No, they're sticking with Rosen. And I know you two aren't as big a fans of Rosen a- as I am. And I'm not even like a huge fan, but I just think he's like good enough to continue to give him an opportunity. And there's no reason, unless you can get a payday trade for, for Rosen, to do it. There's no reason. Yeah, and they just traded up last year to get him. Isn't that right? They traded up to the 10th spot yeah. to get him. So They did trade up a little bit to get him. Yeah, yes. it's fun to speculate, but yeah. they've kind of already squashed those rumors and said, you know, it's he's our guy. We're going to give him a chance to prove he's our guy. So I think they stick with Rosen uh, and at least let him prove that he can be the top 10 pick he was last year. Do you guys want to hear my bold or- prediction that you probably don't want to hear? Oh, I don't know. Maybe not now. No, go ahead. The Patriots trade all of their first and second round picks to get to number one and draft Kyler Murray. Oh, my. That. So they even. What are. Okay, we can get into the details of that later. I don't (laughs) know if I can get behind that. And you're going to have to do a lot of. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) That's another hour long podcast right there. Um, No, but uh, that's that. That would be bold. I'll give you that. But let's go ahead and swing over to some current. Mm. Yeah, oh my god, it would. As far as like current NFL news, uh, or at least maybe not last year, but this year he's coming back. Mr. Jason Witten has unretired from football and plans to come back and play for the Dallas Cowboys. He has signed a looks like a one year contract. I've seen five million, but three million or excuse me, three and a half million has popped up. I think he's gonna have a signing bonus of some sort, uh, tacked on. So uh basically, you know, one year you know try and pass a couple more people on stat sheets for all-time records and stuff like that and then call it once again uh, do you guys see anything else happening here uh i think it's one of two things one they either want to bring him in just kind of mentor all the young tight ends that they have because they have a few who could be good but they haven't really broken out yet the other one and i think this is really what happened is espn offered Dallas $5 million to take Witten off their hands so that uh, yes. put someone better in the booth. Yeah, that's the real You know, I was going to try and not be mean about it, but... Monday Night Football is now officially going to be possible to watch with audio again because <laughs> I cannot stand yeah. watching Jason Witten attempt to commentate a game. Uh, it was it was quite bad. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Kent, and the fact that it's more of a mentorship role. They've kind of already said that there's probably going to be a snap count limit, something similar to what Antonio Gates was in, in uh, L.A. for the Chargers this past year. So I could definitely see a similar scenario playing out in Dallas. Well, sure. I mean, the man is, what, 36, 36 years old. Uh, it's unbelievable to me that he wants to come back and play. But by all means, um, I love Jason Witten. He's a great great player, great uh, you know, community-type person, not a good announcer. So <laughs> it, it kind of worked for everyone on all sides here. Um, but that, by the way, 
I don't think I'll draft him or even touch no. him in any fi- fantasy. Just to make that clear, I don't want to pick him up a dynasty. I don't want to do anything with him. Yep. Uh, just to kind of get that out in the open. But let's go ahead and swing on over to the Packers. And now, you know, we're talking about the combine. The coaches are always coming out and saying ridiculous things. And this is one of those ridiculous things. And that new Packers head coach, uh, it's Matt, right? Matt LaFleur? Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, He thinks that the running back by committee method is going to be best for both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And every fantasy football player in the world cried in unison. Yes, Okada yeah, and especially, I. Especially, yeah. <laughs> were you just about to say the same thing I was? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we co-drafted Aaron Jones, I think, in the third or fourth round in a startup dynasty, like the day before this news came out. So that wasn't very nice. Maybe a couple days. Um, I, one thing I will say is, from the report, he was kind of talking about how the wear and tear on a bell cow running back is non-ideal in his opinion, and so that's and then he said, so that's why I think RBBC is best. So the one takeaway I maybe have from that that's positive is that he's not necessarily thinking that Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are equal in talent, which is kind of what it seemed like Mike McCarthy thought, which is extremely dumb. So maybe he'll think that for now, but when he sees them both on the field in practice, he'll be like, ah, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, You know, go ahead. I agree with you, Okada, in the fact that just because this news is coming out doesn't mean that it's going to be 50-50 split, even if it's an Aaron Jones... 15 carries a game and Jamal Williams five carries a game like that's fine for Aaron Jones and his talent and what he can do and we already know and you mentioned on the pod before Okada that uh, that is Aaron Rodgers guy he has supported Jones publicly and that has a lot to do with how they're going to use him because obviously Aaron Rodgers is a huge piece of what they're doing in Green Bay Uh, I would still be buying Aaron Jones everywhere in Dynasty I don't know about you guys yeah in fact this would be the time to buy him because I don't I don't understand how you could whatever method you use to analyze players, film, analytics, anything. They all point towards Aaron Jones. There's nothing at this point in time that makes me think that Jamal Williams is worth using in a spot where Aaron Jones could be used instead and he isn't like dog tired. That would be the only time is take him off the field when he's tired. And and I could see them doing that, but Jamal, excuse me, Aaron Jones can do it all and I think he's a very good football player. Yeah, Jones literally led the entire NFL in yards per carry yeah. among like quali- basically qualified running backs last year. And I don't remember where Jamal Williams was, but I assure you it was nowhere near number one in the league. So uh, hopefully talent wins out here. Yeah, all right, let's go ahead and swing on over to a divisional opponent here. The Chicago Bears are reportedly shopping Jordan Howard in trade talks. And now I, I haven't heard anything as far as like potential suitors or anything yet so i don't know you know what's going on with that but what what do you guys think as far as what this means for the bears who might want jordan howard i you know i don't even know what what team could really use a guy like him right now from the bears perspective i think that it's because he does not fit in Nagy's system yeah Nagy likes versatile running backs who can do everything at once even if he also has Tariq cohen there obviously for for specific reasons, and Tariq Cohen is extremely explosive, he wants his other guy to be able to do more than just pound straight into the line, which is what Jordan Howard does. Mm -hmm. As far as places to go, yeah, I don't really think there's much. Maybe somewhere like the Raiders, where you've got an old-school guy who wants to pound the rock, but... Well, I was going to say, maybe whoever the loser of the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes is, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but whatever team doesn't get 
Bell, they're probably still going to be looking for uh, an early down back of some sort. So maybe that'd be a target. Yeah, that makes sense. One thing that came to mind when you said, you know, who could be a potential suitor, and obviously there's things that have to get worked out with trading and all that kind of stuff. But if we're talking about Jordan Howard, this is our free agency preview episode after all. If, if we assume, quote-unquote, that he's a free agent because he's going to get traded and we predict his landing spot, I think New Orleans makes a lot of sense given what Alvin Kamara brings to that backfield and Mark Ingram, who is going to be free agent, which we'll talk about, um, was more of that kind of early down back, more up the middle type of runner, uh, et cetera, which, which fits what Jordan Howard does. Yeah, so I think at this point in time, we just got to kind of keep an eye on it, but just that the rumor's in the air, so... Kind of interesting. He could be, you know, somewhat of a, a fantasy-relevant movement if he does get traded. So we'll keep an eye on it. And then also, reportedly, the Bengals are shopping. Uh, it's now fourth year now, right? Uh, wide receiver John Ross. He'll be entering his fourth year, isn't it? Or is it his third? Third, I just think. Third. He, yeah, he just was drafted third. in the 2017 draft. That's right. Okay, so one year off. But, uh, yeah, it, apparently it isn't working out for him. He has, what is it? It's like seven touchdowns on 21 receptions i think it is that's off the top of my head is that right i believe that is correct so yeah uh, it's interesting it's such an interesting case i don't know what people are going to trade for him based on his lack of production outside of touchdowns um i don't know and i don't i have no idea what kind of team would use him or anything like that right now yeah the team that would have to use his talents in a way that it'd have to be more of a deep threat type of scenario. And actually I've seen a couple articles just hypothetically speaking that they Eagles might be interested in trying to inquire in, about his services. Uh, but for the love of God, I hope they do not because I am not a John <laughs> Ross uh, believer or fan <laughs> that is very well known by people that, that follow me on Twitter. Dude, but, but, but he's fast. He ran the fastest 40 at the Dude, combine. he almost won an yes. island. <laughs> but he wore the wrong shoes. What an idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> God, what did they what have it, to wear like a they had to wear Adidas or something? And he wore I thought it was Nike. Nike and Maybe he wore not. Adidas, something back, it was like yeah, it was mixed up. But uh, yeah, again, I think we just gotta kinda keep our ear to the the trade rumor mill here for a little while. I'm sure more names are gonna pop up as we get closer to uh, the start of the new league year. So with that being said, let's go ahead and talk about some injuries. Doctor, doctor. Uh, this is going to kind of be like a keep tabs on guys who were injured last year and see how they're doing uh, over the offseason. So we'll kind of go through here quickly and talk about each of these. Up first, we have Mr. Todd Gurley. We all know uh, how the end of the season was for him. A lot of people speculated that he was injured in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it was reported that he experienced a fair amount of, quote, wear and tear since his ACL injury at Georgia and that the Rams will have to consider reducing his workload for next year. And I also did see that he will not be getting any kind of offseason surgery, at least at this point in time. I don't know if you guys saw that report pop up just today, I think. But uh, Betts, get, get, what, do you, what is your insight on this situation with Gurley? Yeah, so I pulled that uh, from a Los Angeles Times article about uh, about Todd Gurley. Les Snead, the owner, was talking about him and, and sharing the workload, as you mentioned. And basically he said, you know, quote-unquote, there's an element of wear and tear, and I think we have to determine in probably two stages, are we going to give him the amount of load that, he has, that he's had in the past, or are we going to lessen that load to, say, keep him fresher for the season and for seasons beyond? 
And if you go that route, you have to have a good, let's call it Batman and Robin combination um, to figure out how you're going to do it. So he's basically coming out and telling us that they understand what he means to that franchise and uh, that maybe they were just giving him too many touches and it finally caught up to him. We don't know who is going to be that other you know, Batman and Robin alongside of him, but I will say I actually do buy into this a little bit because of the ACL history with Todd Gurley. We know that these guys who have ACL injuries and surgeries in their injury um, past, you know, in their career, are more likely to develop lingering knee issues, swelling, uh, discomfort, games missed, all of that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's real. I don't know to what degree the Batman and Robin kind of thing is. If anything, I say Todd Gurley still gets maybe 75% of what he did last year. So from that aspect, I would still be buying Todd Gurley, but with the expectation you might not be getting 400 touches a year or whatever crazy number it was. One thing I do know is that C.J. Anderson is not Robin. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Maybe the blog. You're right. He's, the He's Batman. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the end of the season, he was Batman. He, it's hard to deny that. No, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and in in fact, that kind of fills into why really this makes sense. In an offense that good, the way that things are set up there to almost make the running back succeed, there's no need to force the ball into Todd Gurley's hand because you can bring along a average guy, and maybe C.J. Anderson is a hair above average. I don't really know. He's probably somewhere right around average. But you bring in a guy like that, and they look really, really good and are productive for your offense. So if you can uh, keep Gurley a little bit more healthy by doing that, then it certainly seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, uh, maybe Todd Gurley's average. Uh. No. Oh, whoa. Kent. Oh, I'm sorry. I have <laughs> a little bit of a – I got a little sniffle. No, it, look, you kind of said almost exactly what is my reasoning for not, – not even what my real opinion is on Todd Gurley. I think he's a good football player, but he's probably not the best running back in the league, first of all, because Barkley is that. Uh, but second of all, I agree. The, the system is just so good that if you can get a guy like C.J. Anderson to come in and perform the way he did – then if we're saying C.J. Anderson is an average guy coming in and doing that, and that's exactly what Gurley was doing, then what, you know, by transitive property, that's, what is he? How much better than C.J. Anderson is he? And I know he is. I know he is. I'm just saying maybe it's not as much as we previously thought. It's certainly not. Uh, he He's not one of the maybe top two. He's still probably in the top five. But he's not a guy like Saquon Barkley, I don't think, who you can put him on a horrible offense behind a horrible line, and he still looks incredible. He's a very smart runner. He's gets what's given and some, so he's not. I don't think he's even close to average. I think he's well above it. But you can take an average guy and still get great production in this particular offense. So, for the record, I do. I do think Todd Gurley is good. I think he's above average. But for the joke, I had to. I had to say that. <laughs> Real quick, Fair before enough. we move on, Okada, last episode we did a mock draft and you took Todd Gurley at the 101. Is that correct? I did. Okay, I thought so. Are you still doing that in drafts if, let's, you know, just for the sake of the argument, drafting tomorrow, are you still drafting Gurley at 101? It becomes really close for me. In a PPR, I might, I probably still would. In a. Standard, I might go to Zeke because Zeke is actually my number two, not Saquon. I may have said that on that pod too. Um, but it's, I still think it's probably Gurley because of touchdowns. 
Zeke had like six touchdowns. Gurley, even with his missed games, had I think 21. It's obscene. Yeah. That offense yeah, is so ridiculous. good. Yeah. Yeah, he was really good. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of talk about uh, Gurley for an injury update, but that's okay. We we need to have that talk at some point in time. But we got a few more injuries here we can bring up before we go on to our free agent section of the show. So up next, we're talking about Cooper Cup, uh, a man who he tore his ACL, right? It was a full tear. I guess I'm. I just write ACL for all these because I assume it's a tear. But uh, it sounds like he's expected to be ready for training camp. So Betts, is that timeline looking good? How's he doing? Yeah, that's pretty much what you would expect uh, with a guy like Cooper Cup. I'm saying this off the top of my head, so excuse me if it's wrong. I believe he tore it in Week 11, um, and it's his left knee, so he would have had surgery shortly thereafter. And being ready for Week One is definitely in the realm of possibility. So it's good to hear uh, that he is right on track with the timeline. All right, uh, that's pretty straightforward. We'll just go ahead and rush through these, rush through these real quick. Up next, we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Also tore his ACL very early in the year. I believe I believe he played four games. Does that sound right? Or did he even make it that I, far? I think it was yeah, four. Yeah, I think I think his injury was week five. So that sounds correct. So uh, he it is reported he is ahead of schedule on rehab as well. So even more time there, and nothing to worry about, right? No, not at this point. Given that. You know we're we're hearing good news. That's all you can uh, you can take it for a grain of salt and take it for what it's worth. But we'll see what happens when OTAs come out and when uh, he's doing more in activities. And then going back even further on the ACL timeline, Mr. Jarek McKinnon is on track in recovery, and it has been reported uh, just this week at the combine at the combine by Shanahan that he will continue to be the 49ers lead back in 2019. Do you have any thoughts on that? And maybe Okada, you can. Tell me what you think about McKinnon going forward. Yeah, my thoughts on that are gimme, gimme, gimme. Because even a half lead back in the forty in Mike Shanahan's systems are great fantasy assets. So a, a lead back, even if that's like a 60-40 split, which is not that intense, is going to be very, very valuable. I think he's an RB two lock and could probably jump higher than that, especially in PPR. Yeah, and from an injury perspective, like you were asking Kent there, he tore it literally the week before the season started. So uh, he has exactly one year to get ready and get back out there. Um, The last research I was doing on him was very positive. So again, this supports that. Um, And I do think he is ready to go for training camp. And like you said, Okada is someone that I am targeting, especially because this year his draft price is going to be much different than it was last year. I don't think the hype is going to be there quite as bad as it was when he was taken in like the second round, which is ridiculous. Um, so I, I obviously will be targeting him if that draft price is a little bit more uh, affordable. All right, and then uh, last couple things here on the injury notes for the offseason. Doug Baldwin had offseason knee and shoulder surgeries. Uh, what do you know about those ones, Betts? Uh, literally nothing because yeah. <laughs> Pete Carroll does not share any information uh, about his players in terms of the specifics of the injury. We know that he was dealing with some lingering knee issues off and on um, all preseason, didn't really do anything in preseason. Um, I suspect this has something to do with a meniscus type of injury, given how it was behaving throughout the year. But that's purely speculation based off of kind of his timeline and what he was doing. So I don't really know, to be honest with you. We're just going to have to kind of wait and see uh, more details to come out of this. All right, and then up last, uh, Jack Doyle also had an off-season hip surgery. Uh, he was out for the uh, remainder of the year. I think that was like in week 
12 or so, 11 or 12, and then Ebron took over. Uh, he's likely out until training camp, so tell me what you know about that. Yeah, Jack Doyle injured his hip, I believe it was week two, and missed a lot of the year, came back for a few games, um, and then actually was sent to injured reserve. I think it was because of a kidney injury, so this doesn't have anything to do with his season ending. He was coming back from a, a subluxed or a partially dislocated hip, uh, which is about as terrible as it sounds, very painful. A lot of times that can cause a labrum injury, which is a tiny like fibrocartilaginous uh, little rim of cartilage that sits in the joint. Helps provide some stability to that ball and socket joint. And I suspect that his surgery was to either go in and kind of clean that up or go in and repair it. Given that the timeline is saying training camp, it's a long time away, I'm leaning towards the fact that they probably went in there and repaired it. Um, Are there labrums in multiple places, Bets? Ah, yes, there are, Cotty. You've been listening. Yes. Ah! The ball, the two ball and socket heard about... joints of the, of yeah, the body. Yeah, the shoulder. Yep, the shoulder and the hip. They basically okay. are the same thing. Uh, they they function similarly in both joints. Fascinating. Interesting. I learn more anatomy I learn more every day. Yeah. Is there <laughs> going to be a quiz uh, in the offseason anytime? Because I will probably fail. I'm just going to let you know that. But yeah, All I'm right. Uh, that's know it. when it is. It'll, just, it'll be on a random podcast. Oh, geez. Bob quiz. That's even worse. Those were the worst teachers. All right. Let's let's go ahead and wrap up the news here, and let's move on to the free agents. You might recognize that little intro there from our, our waiver wire podcast that we're doing during the season. But when it comes to signing free agents, the money does talk. So I figured it was suitable for this segment as well. We're going to go through quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends that are all slated to become free agents. Uh, tip: I think these are all unrestricted free agents. It's usually pretty clear when they're going to be restricted in any form. So uh, we're going to kind of take some swings at where we think they'll go, what would be like the best situation for them fantasy football-wise, and we'll just start talking about it. So up first at the quarterback position, let's talk about probably the biggest name of this offseason. It was just announced that he's going to be uh, let go into free agency as opposed to being re-signed or trade. It's Nick Foles, formerly with the Philadelphia Eagles and a few other teams before that. So where would you like to see Nick Foles go? where it might actually help him or the fantasy-relevant players around him? Wow. that That's not the question I was expecting, to be honest. I was expecting where might he go. Where okay, does well, let's, he go start, very let's start with question. that. Let's start with where might he go simply by what you've been hearing. Okay, well, where might he go? Certainly the most commonly referenced place is Jacksonville. Going in, they now... This is going to be interesting because they're going to have to get rid of Blake Bortles to open some cap space. And even get rid of, getting rid of Blake Bortles, I believe they have a ton of dead cap space. But it would open up enough potentially to bring on Foles. Right now they have literally the least cap space in the league. Negative, in fact, going into next year. So that might get messy trying to bring him on. I don't really like that, for certainly for fantasy, really for a number of reasons. I kind of... I don't, I don't want to see him go here, but I'm kind of putting the Redskins as my team with Alex Smith obviously dealing with some pretty serious injury-related stuff and surgery-related stuff. I think Foles is, might be a, a decent fill-in for Alex Smith, and then if Alex Smith ends up not being able to play again, you still have a guy who's competent for the next couple of years. Do you, th- do you think Alex Smith comes back to play? Because I really don't – I'm not projecting him to. 
the way I'm like trying to get them a quarterback. So at this point, we the last thing that we know about Alex Smith is that he has an external fixator, which basically stabilizes the bones through the skin uh, on his leg. Ouch. If there's any news that a free flap, basically muscle transfer had to be done to help that infection and basically save his limb from being lost. Uh, if any news that of that comes out, his career is definitely over. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I don't really know much about that specifically. Um, but if that news comes out, yeah, he's, he's done. Yeah. You know, the Redskins, they need a quarterback, but I kind of, I kind of think they'll go to the draft. I know we're kind of leaning away from Foles here, so I'll make this quick. But they're in a kind of a tough division right now with the Cowboys, Eagles, and the Giants, who are on you know their own up and coming swing here. So I think they might want to groom a guy and get the roster battle a little bit. But I, I've heard Jacksonville is the most likely landing spot for Nick Foles. They've got the roster that I think could compete if they just have a competent quarterback, which is something that they have not had uh, in a few years here. So. I think that makes the most sense. You know, as far as the receiving options are in Jacksonville, still not exciting, even with Foles there compared to Cody Kessler or uh, Blake Bortles. So, I, you know, I'm not too excited about that. I think I think Foles himself might, might have some streamable games, but that would be about it. Yeah, I mean, to answer your original question, the only place I think in the entire league that gives me any fantasy hope for pretty much any of these fantasy guys, uh, these free agent guys that we're going to talk about is a place that already has a quarterback, but they've talked about maybe wanting to move on from him, and that's Cincinnati. Yep. If if they wanted, to, if they decided to move away from Andy Dalton, who's like the most average quarterback in the league, so I don't really know if they're going to get if they're <laughs> so going to get average. much better anywhere. Yeah, but if they did and they brought in a guy like Nick Foles, then he's got some weapons on that team, and that's a place that could be interesting. You know, I guess the Dolphins might be somewhat intriguing depending on what they do as far as filling out their skill position players but uh they they are looking for a quarterback as well and and actually aren't they looking to move on from Tannehill are they thinking about cutting him yes. right so he rumors are yeah that they want yeah to so that's on. just a rumor so we won't talk about him yet because we don't know whether or not he's going to be cut but we do think that that's going to happen at some point let's um you know I got two more names here on the quarterback list and they're both kind of more sketchy names so we'll just kind of bring up both and you could talk about whatever you want but Tyrod Taylor and Teddy Bridgewater are both uh free agents here and you know Tyrod got replaced by Baker and Teddy just kind of backed up Breeze and that was really all he did do either of you these guys interest you in any way if they land end up anywhere Tyrod I don't really expect to end up anywhere I think if you get benched for a rookie yeah, your hopes of getting a starting job somewhere are pretty low. Um, but if he were to get a starting gig, I would like him for fantasy because of his running ability. Teddy is the guy I'm currently pegging to the Jaguars. Oh, and one of the reasons is I feel like he that his running ability combined with his very competent passing ability, he's I think he's a very competent passer, would be pretty decent on that team without the cost of a Nick Foles yeah you're gonna get Teddy Bridgewater for maybe a tenth of what you have to pay Nick Foles that's a good point uh so with the Jaguars who have such little space that that might be I don't necessarily see much of a fall off necessarily from Foles to Bridgewater so that might be a little smarter for them and if he did go there I might be a little bit interested because he's he's been decent before before his obviously is a pretty massive injury yeah and I mean you know even when he was with the Vikings as a full-time starter he was in a run first Adrian Peterson still in his prime offense so 
you know, he, he didn't really have the opportunity to shine. He was more of a game manager type thing. But he, he's still only 26 years old, and that's only a couple of years over that's some crazy. of these rookies. So, it yeah, he still has plenty of time to try and find a spot here in the NFL. So I, I'm very supportive of him. I think he's a great person as far uh, as who he is on and off the field. So I, I hope he finds somewhere to go. I could see Jacksonville being a, a prime spot for him. Uh, as far as like where I would want him to go, I you know there's really not many great options, but I think the Redskins might be a decent opportunity for him as well uh, if they don't look at drafting one. For reference, by the way, he was a first round pick in 2014. Yep. In case anyone has forgotten. Oh yeah. That. So yeah, the, yeah, the pedigree is there. Contribute. And obviously, at that time, people were excited about him. But obviously, the, the knee injury huge factor in terms of where he is at now in his career. But um, I think he's shown enough that he is back and he can do it he might not be quite as mobile as he once was because of that i know you mentioned that okada in terms of his uh mm. rushing ability and that kind of thing but um yeah he definitely has a future in the nfl and i'm definitely intrigued to see where he goes same yeah we'll keep an eye on him uh at, you know kind of hear what goes on but let's move over to the running back position uh, the big name on this list i think everyone already knows Levion bell Expected to become an unrestricted free agent. The thing he finally wanted so he can get that $25 million per year contract. Except he might not get that. But he's still definitely the biggest name on this list. We've talked about this a couple times. Go ahead and reiterate. How about for him, where do you want to see him go? In an ideal scenario? Yeah, ideal scenario For for him. Yeah, fantasy relevant. Colts easily. Yeah, I, I think I'm, that's what came to mind for me as well. That's easily the best case scenario for Le'Veon Bell. Most money to spend. Andrew Luck, now a very good offensive line, playmakers at the receiving position and tight end. Yeah, that's that's fantasy gold for him. Um, not sure if it actually will happen, but that's best case scenario. Um, I think the Jets are also a decent spot. Um, the only issue is that the offense, I think, is much worse, and that, that would impact his his ability to have more touchdowns on the year, you know, stuff like that. But it would certainly help Mr. Sam Darnold if he wants to have some of those nice dump-off passes uh, that the Steelers have known to love from Mr. Bell. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I could see either of those working out fine. I think, you know, if the Bills move on from LaShawn McCoy – they might be able to to swing that as well. They have a lot of cap space for this next year, also. So there's, there's a lot. There's a couple teams that need a running back and have money. So it'll it'll be fun to watch this uh, this auction, so to speak, on Mr. Bell. Yeah, and one other one that came yeah. to mind too is uh, the Texans. I think they are a very intriguing spot for him. Obviously, Deshaun Watson is is locked in. DeAndre Hopkins. They've got Fuller and, and Kiki QT. Um, they need to upgrade their offensive line for sure, but the team has already publicly said they might move on from Lamar Miller, and those rumors have kind of been circulating for a little while now. So if that does happen, I love that scenario for Bell because he would get a full workload uh, there for sure. Well, t- take the combine chit-chat for what you will, but they just came out today and said that Lamar Miller is their lead running back heading into 2019. So, uh, you know, as again, yeah, as of now, it, it could always yeah. change if the price is right. Yeah. Um, then then that could change, but that's what they say for now. Yeah, and one thing I will say is, following in Kent's calling elite running backs average footsteps, 
I've said before on this podcast that I think Le'Veon Bell is nowhere near the best running back in the league, but has thrived behind a great offensive line because his running style really fits with a great offensive line. So Houston is a place that I could see being very realistic, but I would be concerned there because of how bad that O-line is. That's similar right now for the Raiders, uh, which is another place. That's the place I projected him to go or am projecting him to go. But their offensive line has not been good, or at least it wasn't good last year. It was really good a couple years ago, and then it somehow fell off a cliff. So that one's also a little bit concerning, but that's something to keep in mind when he does get his new team, how good is their offensive line yeah, for fans? He's going to go try and run behind the Texas offensive line and get clobbered when he tries to do his little sidestep <laughs> and has like three yep. seconds less to do it. Uh, yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next name on this list. We kind of brought it up earlier, but Mark Ingram, formerly of the Saints, uh, you know, he's 29. He's starting to get up there, so he might not – you know, crave the market that some of these other guys on this list might, but he's still good. I mean, he's, he's been good for the last, you know, four or five years now, and he's been very productive granted in a, in a high caliber saints offense. But do you think that he's going to be, you know, is he going to be fantasy relevant? Like he was previously anywhere else, I guess is kind of my question. For me, Ingram is pretty landing spot dependent because if he goes to another place where he's kind of a complimentary back to someone else, then that's not going to be too great. The place I have him going, and I actually think it would be one of the best for him for fantasy, is the Ravens. Because if he goes to the Ravens, I think he automatically becomes a 250-touch guy minimum. Probably more than that. Uh, and I think that they'd like to have him as a running back. He's kind of like a upgraded Gus Edwards who can catch the ball. Yeah. So I think that's a win-win for everyone, and I would really be interested in fantasy if he went there. Yeah, I actually like that call as well, Okada. Um, I think it's going to be between the Ravens and actually just staying with the Saints. Um, Ingram has said that he's willing to test the open market, but uh, he's been really effective with a modest workload alongside Alvin Kamara the last two seasons. And if you're the Saints... You know, they're getting back to the playoffs year after year with those two, and it's working. So if they can make it work from a financial standpoint, I would say I would love to see him either in Baltimore or just stay home in, in New Orleans. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the Saints makes the most sense. He knows that they're probably the highest chance of winning the Super Bowl in the next you know two or three years with, on the tail of Drew Brees' career. So he's probably going to try that out, and then if that doesn't work, you know, then he'll maybe take some money. Uh, somewhere else but I think for the moment he's going to stick with the Saints up next let's talk about Tevin Coleman formerly of the Atlanta Falcons uh, now being seceded by Ito Smith and Devonna Freeman is still there but Tevin Coleman I think last year a lot of people thought he was going to be the biggest name on the market this year and that's kind of faded a little bit with how he performed uh, with Freeman going down Did, do you guys have any thoughts on on that matter at least before we get into where he goes yeah, I think that's 100% right. He, If he had had the season that he should have had, especially with Freeman going down, I think he would be right behind Le'Veon Bell. Maybe pretty much equal as far as how interesting he is to other teams and, and for fantasy. But he had a really down year. I think he's going to rebound, and I'd like to see him go to the Jets, which I think would be pretty decent. I think he'd be a low-end RB2 there, maybe maybe mid-range RB2. But I think he, I think he'll have a good year. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm hesitant with with Tevin Coleman. 
I was really high on him because of, obviously, we've seen him do it in the past alongside Devonta Freeman in Atlanta. But like you guys have mentioned, he fell on his face last year. He was not good and was basically operating as a feature back. And I think teams look at that and they say, okay, we see what this guy does when he gets a full workload. He should be going to a situation that offers a complimentary role alongside of him. Um, so I think he lands somewhere that offers that. Uh, not sure exactly where, but that type of scenario, I think, is where Tevin Coleman is headed. You know, I th- yeah, I think he thrives in kind of a thunder and lightning type setup, but he's never going to be the whole storm. And, uh, you know, he kind of really thrived when Shanahan was still the offense coordinator for the Falcons, and he's known to be a running back savvy offensive coordinator as well. Uh, under Sarkeesian, it was a little bit rough, and then they have a new one now, don't they? They hired – I've I, I I forget who they brought back Dirk Cutter. Did, oh yeah, okay. So, they, you know they're going through transitions. So, you know maybe that was kind of like a wrench in the machine, and and that's what caused his poor production. And he still got the talent to back it up, but uh, they yet that's yet to be seen. And, and like you said, he's dropped down significantly in value on the market. So, I think a team who signs him is going to be happy that they get to sign him for cheaper because I I still think he can be a good probably sixty percent snap running back for someone but that's that's the limit that's the absolute highest he should ever be for a team yeah kent that was a that was a nice little weather reference you made there with the thunder you like that i just want to let you know that i like that a lot (laughs) oh thank you i appreciate that um it's one of my hobbies no i'm just kidding um all right let's let's go ahead and move on let's talk about latavius murray uh he's expected to be a free agent from the minnesota vikings although i will I will tell you from my personal perspective here is that the expectation is that he re-signs with the Vikings for cheaper. So take that for what it's worth. He's, he wants to start somewhere. He wants to, you know, get that money on the market, but I don't see that market being too great for him. So I'm going to go ahead and just say, I, I think he comes back to the Vikings on a cheap deal. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny when I saw hint reports that he was saying he wanted to go be a lead back somewhere. And in my mind, I just heard Kent saying he's trash. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah I don't know what, um, his, what his thought process is because there's literally no chance anyone makes him their feature back or their lead back type of, of runner. Um, I agree. I think just staying in Minnesota is best for him because you know we've seen him do okay behind that offensive line. But he's a guy that is just a guy and honestly I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of the NFL in two years yeah he he hasn't been productive for you know when he was with the Raiders or or the Vikings and and granted you know we didn't have the greatest offensive line last year or the year before uh but yeah I don't he's just not gonna be a lead back he never will be he just doesn't have the complete skill set he's not quite fast enough he's just a little bit too big and lumbering uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to happen for him, but it, I give him credit for trying, you know, at least go, go try and find that job first before coming back to sign. Oh, okay. Here's one interesting thought tying back into what we were talking about a while ago. What do you guys think about Latavius Murray to the Rams to take some load off of Gurley? And would he be a little bit interesting for fantasy if that happened? Um, Yeah. He'd be a little, at least a little bit, right? Yeah, I think he'd be an upper echelon handcuff with a chance for like five or six touchdowns, even if Gurley stays healthy. Yeah. If he did, that. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, anyone that's playing running back for the Rams, you have to have some interest in for sure. Exactly. But 
we yeah. know what that offense does and how much they involve Gurley in the passing game. And I don't have any statistics to support this. This is purely off of watching him play. But off the top of my head, I don't think he can catch the ball very well. And obviously, it's not what he's known for. But I don't <sighs> think I've seen it, and he's, he's not proven that. So I don't know. Yeah, sorry for cutting you off. Uh, he's not like a route runner, receiver type of running back where some guys can actually run routes out of the backfield. He's mostly just when he gets receptions, it's dump offs and like flats, and that's really it. So not, nothing elaborate. And uh, really, you know, something that I think the the Rams running backs require. Well, maybe not require, but excel at. So he'd be he'd be good there. It just probably wouldn't be all the elaborate stuff. They'd probably still go to Gurley. So anyway, okay, we got a couple more names here. I tell you what, let's just pick one of these guys to talk about because we've got a few more names to go through. So uh, Betts, give me your favorite of these three remaining that you want to talk about. All right, so the three, just for our listeners that we're looking at, are TJ Yeldon, Jay Ajayi, and Spencer Ware. I think the guy that's probably creating the most buzz in fantasy is TJ Yeldon. So let's talk about him. Uh, we know that he's been stuck behind Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. I would love to see him go to a situation where he can be a 1B type of player and catch some passes out of the backfield, which he's very good at. And I would love to see him in Atlanta for those reasons. Oh, I don't hate that. I've got... I've got two spots where I'd really like to see Yeldon go, the Chiefs and the Eagles. I think that would be, if, if he goes to either of those places, especially the Eagles where they have literally no one, I would get really excited about TJ Yeldon for fantasy because he is and has been a good running back with good pedigree. He's just never really gotten a chance to lead in offense. I think in one of those offenses where his pass catching gets used, uh, as it should, he could be really viable for fantasy. You know, kind of a, a team we don't talk about too much, but I think he could be a good replacement. Um, you know, and, and actually, I guess I got to look at this first. Are the Titans expected to retain Deion Lewis? Is that does he have an out on that guy? I think so. Oh well, maybe I want to maybe I want to reel this back in because I was kind of thinking he'd be gone, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Raiders because they're losing Jalen Richard, so maybe they could use a pass catching kind of guy. Um, to fill it, you know, if they have Marshawn Lynch back or Doug Martin back or something like that, they'll have a bruiser and then they need a pass catcher. So I think, I think Yeldon could fit in there pretty well. They have, they have a lot of cap space. They're looking to make some free agent moves and kind of bulk up. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if Gruden would kind of like him, but that remains to be seen what, what he likes. So we'll figure that out in the long term. Old, busted. Old. Yeah. Players. Is he old enough? He's not old enough. <laughs> That's um, what he likes. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, let, tell you what. Let's go ahead and swing on over to the wide receiver position, which honestly I think is way worse than the running back position. I don't know if you guys like took a look at anyone else that's going into free agency, but I had a few names on this list, and it was a struggle to get past like five actually good names. Uh, I think the biggest name is Golden Tate. You know, he you know was with the Lions, traded to the Eagles. Um, the Eagles are going to let him go. It sounds like so. He's now once again looking for a new team. We kind of saw what happened when he wasn't with the Lions anymore and his production kind of fell off a little bit. Do you think he can still be a solid slot receiver for someone? And who and who might be looking for one? I do. And but first of all, a lot of people are saying the Patriots. And one of the reasons a lot of people are saying the Patriots because apparently he said he really wants to be a Patriot. This is foolishness. <laughs> they have plenty of slot receivers. They don't need another one. And they basically have James White, who is almost the same thing as Golden Tate, honestly. Yeah. In a strange way, at a different position. Yeah. 
Where I want to see Golden Tate go is the Colts. I think if Golden Tate were to go to the Colts, that would be really, really solid for him. Get a slot receiver across from T.Y. Hilton who's stretching the field. And Andrew Luck gets another kind of intermediate short option. What do you guys think about uh, the Dallas Cowboys with Cole Beasley being a free agent? If oh. he goes in there and replaces him in the slot, they need receiver help. They need playmakers with Alan but, Hearns going down to injury. And all they've got is Amari Cooper. I would love that but, if he was there in Dallas. But bets they have Witten coming back. Their problems are solved. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I didn't listen <laughs> yeah, to the start be, of the show. Must you know, he's going to be open on third down for seven-yard gains every single time. That's just his specialty. Anyway, no, Run but I sticks, think that's a good turn around, post up, yeah. catch the ball, yeah. fall. Oh <laughs> my god, yeah. every single time. Uh, no, that is that's a really good selection. Actually, I think the the Cowboys are going to look to make another uh, playoff push again, following the success they had bringing on Amari Cooper. So bringing you know really rounding out their receiving core with a little bit more talent than guys like Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams, I think is is a good choice for them. Uh, up next, let's talk about Tyrell Williams. He was with the San Diego. Nope, Los Angeles. He was. God, he was yes, with the he San was Diego with the Chargers. San Diego. I I will get that wrong every <laughs> single time forever. The Los Angeles Chargers. Um, you know, he's kind of had a good like ancillary role with the Chargers for his his time there, but he's he's never really been the guy who's going to step up and be like your your wide receiver one. So he's probably going to be a great wide receiver two for a team. Who do you think could use a guy like that? Well, Tyra Williams has come out and said that he he wants to try to test the market as a wide receiver one. Have you guys heard that? Oh, really? No, I didn't, actually. Yeah, apparently that's I'd... his goal. Like you said, I don't think he is that in this league. I think he's a good two. Um, we've talked about this team a lot tonight. I, I think it makes sense. I would like to see him on the Colts to offset T.Y. Hilton and give Andrew Luck another uh, weapon in the passing attack. I like that. This this is the play. This is the guy I want to see go to the Patriots, and not just as a Patriots fan, but for Tyrell Williams' sake. He's wouldn't be a wide receiver one there per se, in the sense that Julian Edelman will be the target guy, but he probably would be their X receiver. He's kind of a bigger, faster Chris Hogan, in the sense that he's going to give them a big downfield threat, a red zone guy, and get probably eight plus touchdowns so i would really like to see him go there for fantasy and for myself because i'm a patriots fan and we need one really bad you know We're i know he isn't josh gordon coming back or what's oh that? yeah of course Real- i mean listen the second josh gordon is back we can cut tyra williams <laughs> as far as i'm concerned okada and i just to, just to throw this out there okada and i are, are currently in a dynasty league startup together as co-owners and he isn't trying to get me to draft josh gordon <laughs> For the past like nine rounds, granted, I finally oh. caved and let him do it. I think it's like the twenty first <laughs> round, but give wow. it up, man! It is not happening. <laughs> so I will never give it up. I believe. Speaking of Josh Gordon, how about his old team? I think I think the Browns might be a decent spot for Tyrell. I mean, they have Jarvis Landry, but if you had Jarvis Landry and Ty- uh, Tyrell Williams together, that's kind of like a one A one B, or maybe two A two B, whatever way you want to look at it, but. Uh, I think they should probably move Jarvis Landry back to the slot because he kind of fell off the map a little bit at the end of the year. And bringing him to the slot, you know, they have Higgins. They can just kind of move on from him or or reel him back to a kind of special teams kind of role. But I think Tyrell would be a good deep threat for them because they also lost uh, Brashad Perryman, which is a a sentence I never thought I'd be saying at this point in time. (laughs) Uh, But he was actually good for them at the end of the year as far as a deep threat. So they could probably use a replacement for him uh, next year. 
I like that one. Yeah. I think All that right, makes up sense next. For sure. Oh, sorry. Yeah, didn't mean to move on there too quickly, but uh, we have so many exciting wide receivers to talk about. I just can't wait. Uh, John Brown, <laughs> uh, probably the last I think big name that's on this list. Maybe maybe also the next one. But John Brown is certainly someone who's showed some flashes as far as like a quality. Uh, another deep threat wide receiver, you know, didn't really mesh well with the uh, Lamar Jackson grinded out running play style that the Ravens adopted late in the year. But uh, early on, he was really showing some prowess as a deep threat. So what, you know, we kind of talked about a few teams that were needing a deep threat. What anyone else you think that John Brown might be a good fit for? Uh I have a landing spot that's heavily dependent on something else happening, and that's Deshaun Jackson leaving Tampa Bay. If Deshaun Jackson were to leave Tampa Bay, and that's kind of up in the air right now, then you've got Bruce Arians, who's played with or had John Brown play for him before, and that was when John Brown was having his best seasons. Um, and you, we know he loves to throw it deep. Jameis Winston would have kind of a speedster. He's already got a couple really good... Uh, red zone guys and I don't know what's going to happen with Adam Humphreys in fact he's on our list if we get to him but he's a free agent so that's where I like to see him go if Deshaun Jackson leaves yeah Okada you pretty much just stole the words right out of my mouth that's a dream scenario I think uh, for John Brown and for Bruce Arians we know he likes him he knows how to use him he's familiar with the offense so yeah I I think it makes sense and uh, I think that is actually where he's going to go you know I'm going to circle back to the previous guy we talked about's former team, the Chargers, I think could kind of use a replacement for Tyrell Williams. And uh, Travis Benjamin is also now gone. So, yeah, I think that'd be a good spot for him to land. You know, Phillip Rivers is kind of doing a similar thing to Drew Brees. He's trying to bring his team to the Super Bowl one last time before uh, he heads out. So uh, that could be a good opportunity for him if they're looking to, to wheel and deal and spend some money this year. And then let's talk about Mr. Michael Crabtree. It was just announced, what, two days ago, yesterday? I don't even remember. Um, yeah, two days ago. That he was being released by the Ravens. And, uh, you know, that didn't, it wasn't really a super good mesh. Again, we kind of talked about what happened with Lamar Jackson there. Wasn't really throwing a lot later in the year. But Crabtree could still be like a, a touchdown kind of guy, red zone opportunity. So who's looking for that? Who's looking for touchdowns? Everyone, obviously. But. Red zone wide receivers. It's interesting because I have two teams down on my list here. And when we talked about Tyrell Williams, I said one of them. And you said the other team for Tyrell Williams, which is the Browns. And Crabtree kind of could fill a similar role as Tyrell Williams. So I think both those teams make sense in that they're both looking for that kind of player. So I think either of those places would be interesting for him, Patriots or Browns. Yeah, I I feel like I want to say the Patriots as well because... um, I'm about to tell you that they're losing Gronk, which will affect their red zone offense, but it really doesn't affect the red zone offense from a passing standpoint based off what we saw last year. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I feel like Crabtree's kind of done. He kind of seems washed at this point, so I don't really know. I haven't thought much about it. I don't. I won't be excited for wherever he goes. I'll just put it that way. So I think I'd be remiss if I didn't pick this team for at least one of these free agents because I think they're going to sign a free agent wide receiver. I think the Bills might take a look at Michael Crabtree because they currently have some young wide receivers. That's the core uh, of their receivers. So 
they could use someone with maybe a little bit of veteran presence. They might draft a guy or two this year to also bring in and help out Josh Allen, who you know has his own uh, issues as far as accuracy when throwing. And they, they really want to make this offense click. So I think having a veteran presence there could help. And Michael Crabtree is certainly someone who's been around the block probably the, the most out of this list so far. Uh, so he could be a good landing spot there if only for the sake of teaching younger guys uh, some of the tricks of the trade. Yeah, I could see that. I think that would make some sense. Um, all right, let's see here. Let's talk about two more guys. We'll, we'll bring up the next one here on the list. It's going to be Randall Cobb. He's with the Packers for a while. I don't know. What is he on year seven here? Does that sound right? Um, you know, he's always kind of been the number two behind Jordy Nelson and then Devonte Adams kind of took that place. And so he's always kind of been the two sort of a slot receiver type guy. He's never really been great. I don't think he's also kind of been powered by Aaron Rodgers. Do you think he draws much of a market? I don't think he draws much of a market except for potentially from really needy teams like the Ravens who just need a body that can catch passes. I think that could be a place he goes. One other interesting thing maybe might be the Lions, who fell apart after they lost Golden Tate in their slot uh, position. So that that could be a little bit interesting to me. I think that would help Stafford. Yeah, to answer to answer your question, Kent, I don't think he's going to have a huge market. Like you said, he's a veteran. The injury history is lengthy with him, and I could see a scenario where he gets maybe a one year prove it type of deal. Uh, maybe two years at, at max, but I, I do agree with Kyle. I think that makes sense. Uh, just kind of step right into that Golden Tate type of role uh, to help that offense kind of get going again. Uh, I'll throw out kind of a wild card because they're a little bit lower on cap space, and so this, but but that might work actually perfectly for Cobb since he'll probably be cheap. But I think the Panthers might look at replacing what Funch has brought to the table. And granted, that wasn't a lot, but they're not they don't need to replace it with a lot. So I think Cobb kind of makes a fit there. Uh, you can let. DJ Moore do a little bit more deep stuff. And then you also have uh, Curtis Samuel is going to be providing some assistance. And McCaffrey, of course, is always going to have the short passing work as well. But I, th- he, I think you could round out that receiving core a little bit. Do you think they'll try to replace Funches with a bigger type of body, though, on the um, outside? I don't know. Not it's- necessarily. You mean like Kelvin Benjamin? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. No, I, I don't think that's worked for them. I mean, Kelvin only had one successful year. It was his rookie year, and he was pretty much the only receiver there. And then after that, it didn't work. And then Funches kind of replaced him, and he had an okay year, but I don't think it was even great. And then he stopped working. I, th- I think they got to be done with that and start you know, working with the newer West Coast-style offense. And not that Randall Cobb's the, the cream of the crop for that, but he's certainly better than either of those two guys. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean... Anyone that's listened to our podcast knows that I am a Devin Funches here, <laughs> and I will leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Um, Okada, this time, go ahead and give me one more name to talk about real quick from the receiving group. Um. All right. There's a few slot guys running around. I suppose Adam Humphreys might be the most interesting one because he had a pretty strong year last year with the Buccaneers. So I guess we could talk about him. The other the guy might be Cole Beasley. There's also Jameson Crowder. So they all kind of are similar, smaller slot guys. Uh, a place that I think would be interesting for one of these types of guys would be the Saints. Because I feel like Drew Brees does not quite have the arm strength that he used to have. But he is still the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. And I feel like a quick, short route, 
slot receiver, which they don't really have right now, might be really solid for them. So I, I'd like to see one of these guys go there. I, I would love it if Humphreys went to the Saints. That'd be great. And, you know, he's he's been in the league for four years now. He has a nice gradual progression upwards. I mean, he's getting better every single year, and he really liked to see that in receivers. I mean, you know, third or fourth year breakouts used to be kind of the norm around the league. And I think he's he's kind of hit his breakout. He had 800 yards and five touchdowns last year. That's pretty good considering he was, you know, quote-unquote behind Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Deshaun Jackson. I mean, there was just a lot of receivers there. So he could go to a different team and really make an impact if he gets a little bit more work. Okay, uh, Betts, do you have any thoughts on Mr. Humphreys? Uh, the only thing I could think about when we were talking about Humphreys was the fact that Okada made him the start of the league for about six weeks in the pro last year <laughs> and kept saying he was the wide receiver one in that offense. That's, that's literally all so I can think true. about. Uh, it's definitely happened. Um, but I, I do like that Saints call. I was just thinking about him in that offense alongside Michael Thomas. He would have man-to-man coverage on literally every single play because of what Kamara can bring and what Michael Thomas can bring. Uh, I, I like that call a lot, actually. Um, another spot, you know, kind of if they don't get Antonio Brown, I think the 49ers could be a good situation for Humphreys. Uh, work with Dante Pettis. And now now that Pierre Garçon is gone, Pierre Gar gone. Is that good? Mm. I think that was bad. Um, mm. Anyway, stretch, but um, ca- came to no. me in the moment, so I just <laughs> went with it. Uh, you know I don't hold back. But anyway, yeah, I think the 49ers could be an interesting spot if they don't get Antonio Brown. So let's go ahead and swing on over to the most exciting part of this show, the tight ends. And you know what? There's really only a couple, and we don't have to spend long on them because, uh, yeah, it's entirely – I think offense driven. So where they end up is going to matter most, but I'll tell you what, I'll read off the names and then you could talk about whoever you want. Tyler Eifert, Jared Cook, Ricky Seals Jones, and Austin Safarian Jenkins are the highlights of the tight end free agent class this year. So go ahead, uh, talk about whoever you want to talk about where you want to see him go. Okada, I know you want to talk about Tyler Eifert. Go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and talk talk to me about Tyler uh, Eifert because I know that you are excited for his comeback. Tyler this year. Eifert is the, another guy that I was trying to convince Betts to draft for about five rounds in our, <laughs> our dynasty startup, um, which makes no sense because as the I injury know. guy, it was, it was <laughs> there's no way I will. Uh, there's no way I will listen, allow that. <laughs> Tyler Eifert is quite easily the best tight end in this market and one of the better tight ends in the league. The problem is he literally cannot stay healthy. He's like Jordan Reed. 2.0, if not worse. Uh, maybe Betts can give us a rundown of how injury pony is or how, if he wants. Probably not because it's not really even worth we don't it. Have, we don't have <laughs> that. But, but if he were to get healthy for a single season and go to one of these tight end needy teams like maybe the Packers or the Lions or the Saints, I was going to say the Bengals because all their tight ends are leaving, but he's coming from the Bengals. But if that were to happen and he were to stay healthy, I would love it. So he's a speculative sort of person. Yeah, I'll say, Kent, to answer your question in terms of where we want to see like any of these guys go or who we're most excited about, I agree. Eifert has the most upside, but like you said, Okada, he just needs to be on the field. Um, whoever signs with the Saints is a guy that we are going to be talking about come July and August because they currently have Josh Hill as their tight end one. Um, ben Watson is retiring, so they are in desperate need of a, a pass-catching tight end to play with Drew Brees. So whichever one of these guys goes there, ideally, I think it'd be Eifert or Jared Cook um, would immediately be 
valuable for fantasy. Yeah, and before I talk about any of these guys, I got to point out that this year's draft class for tight ends is stellar. It is very, very strong. It's probably been the strongest in the last five or ten years. Um, so this market, which was already weak, has been dampened further. So don't expect any of these guys to sign huge deals. Don't like use the money as a reason to um, shy away or, or lean towards any of these guys. But like you said, Eifert, clearly the most skilled out of these guys, can't stay on the field. As far as where I could see him going, man, maybe like – the Seahawks could be like an interesting choice because they, you know, they sent Jimmy Graham over to the Packers. Um, other than that, I don't really know. I don't think many teams are going to try too hard to get a free agent tight end and, unless they absolutely have to. I think um, I think Ricky Seals-Jones might present a young upside type guy who is in kind of a bad situation uh, that could end up on a new team and be kind of productive. As far as where he could go to, you know, find that production, maybe the Bills. That'd be another kind of spot where, they, you know, they just got rid of, of Charles, Clay, Charles Clay. So they, yeah. they could be looking to replace him. Because um, I, I think call. they have, what, J- Jason Kroom? I don't think he's anything special. So uh, they'll probably look to either sign or draft a tight end. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one yeah, I like that one other thing I'll say is if Gronkowski does retire and the Patriots sign one of these guys, I expect him to draft a tight end very high. In fact, I usually mock a tight end to them in the first round with their first round pick when I do mocks. But if they feel like they need to compete for a Super Bowl now so they don't just want to draft a guy who takes a couple years to develop because that's what usually happens with tight ends and they sign one of these guys, then that guy is going to be interesting because we know how the Patriots use their tight ends. So keep an eye on that and and i think i also heard that jared cook might get re-signed by the raiders too so um that you know that could be another guy off the table but yeah yeah gruden likes him a lot and obviously he's over the age of 30 so yeah gruden's all about it (laughs) um okay did uh, did you guys say uh ossifarian jenkins where you think he might go or anything interesting there i don't you know he kind of has had his chance now i think and it just hasn't worked out yeah, he was a guy with a lot of upside or very, very early in his career and then had a lot of issues on and off the field and really has never panned out. So, yeah. Yeah. Not uh, great. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he gets uh, a lot of money. But All right, that's going to go ahead and wrap up the free agent preview episode. We went and highlighted some of our favorite fantasy-relevant names for the 2019 season. We'll find out. Uh, in a couple weeks here, I think it's the 11th is when the March 11th is when tampering begins for signing new players. So that's when all the fun news comes out around the league. It's a very big couple of days there when we find out who's going where. Uh, so keep an ear out then. And the combine's going on this weekend. So, you know, go ahead and watch and listen to that and keep your eye on the news and notes there. You guys have anything else you want to add before we get out of here today? Nothing about the NFL or the season or anything, but there is some exciting news around the red shirts uh, over the the next week or two and this offseason. Uh, the site is going to launch. RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com <laughs> is launching on March yeah. 6th, which is next Wednesday. Oh, Get that ready. is coming up so quick. Less than a week. We've been bringing on some awesome so if writers. You're not already, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I haven't slept. <laughs> um, if you're not already, follow us on, on Twitter for more updates about that at Redshirts FF Pod uh, and look for our content to be coming out there in the next week. 
Also, uh, be sure to check out our Patreon site. We just started it. We're going to have some uh, some tiers in there for getting some additional content from us this coming season. So uh, be sure to go there and check us out. If you only want to donate just like a buck, that's fine. That's totally cool. Like We'll take anything. Uh, we appreciate any support we get. You know, we, we just got some stuff we got to pay for as far as like storing the shows and, and having some tools and getting sound bites ready and stuff like that. So for all that stuff, we just, you know, to keep things running smooth, it'd be nice to just have a little bit of, of extra pocket change. So we really appreciate any support there. Uh, Okada, you got anything for us? Um, I'm just really excited for the draft. I have literally written bios on almost every incoming rookie for the NFL Network. So I know a lot of names and I'm really curious to see what happens and I'm very excited. Nice. I'm sure we'll have a number of podcasts on it when it happens. All right, cool. Well, all right, keep an ear out for all that. There's a lot going on in the next couple weeks. Very exciting time of the offseason for the NFL. So thank you for listening to this show. And once again, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.